we're back. Podcast is back. We are pumped. There's going to be a lot of conversations coming up this fall that uh, we're excited to have. We're excited to share. Tonight's episode with Jake from Hayek Contracting. Uh, really awesome construction company in Greater Vancouver. They've done uh, a personal renovation for me. And I love them. They're sharing. A, he uh, is sharing a little bit of his story tonight, and it was a really fun conversation. Check it out. Let us know what you think. My understanding of Bitcoin is it is the. importance of it the like reason that people would have money in bitcoin is like long-term wealth holding so think of it this way banks in the old school days <clears throat> would hold reserves in gold bars mm-hmm. literally fucking pieces of gold in the new age they're going to be holding their reserve in bitcoin it's not a currency that is going to be used to go buy a coffee or a newspaper, like what, you know, whatever day-to-day transactions, it's more like a, a wealth holding fund. If that makes sense. No, Versus, I get it. I get and then it. there's other coins it, that they call like stable coins that the, the platform for those are built off of like day-to-day transactions and the volatility of them, the ups and downs of like the worth of one coin is going to be a lot less than something like a Bitcoin or my, like, I kind of look at it like this. They're just kind of people got smart enough that we don't need to. You started with like Bieber pelts, right? And then whatever, cash. It's like, why are we carrying this shit around? Even a debit card now, right? Exactly. So it's just getting even more diverse, more spread across the world globally. And if you ask Elon, he'll send that shit to Mars too, right? <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Oh, yeah. Right, Carl? That's Carl correct. and I are on a different level than uh, Denny right now, right? We are, yeah. yeah. A little bit slower, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> that that takes a little... I'm not going to proc. That's it. Let's stop talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> Was that the correct way to kind of explain yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I don't know. I know a bit about Bitcoin. I know, like, you know, obviously uh, you can't trace it because it doesn't have, like, an origin or, like, a central bank or anything like that, right? Is that sort no of... One like, no one is governing it. Yeah. So it... Every single transaction is traced and is on the blockchain. Okay. So it's findable. So you can see who owns what percentage of what coin. I see. But it's not governed by someone. And the entire blockchain is copied in multiple places. So for it to verify, you have to pass everything. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes more sense to me than what you were saying before. But yeah, because I get it. So, there, not, so there's verification <laughs> points throughout the, there's always this verification point that what this person says can be proven throughout the system and you yeah. can trade within there freely without anybody governing it. It is very interesting that like, this is very futuristic and like technology driven mm-hmm. versus the storage of the coins fucking is archaic. Okay, yeah, that's what it is, right? It is. So it's that's why they have to mine it and they're screwing up earth on it because Well, of, when you purchase coins, yeah. you hold them in a hardware wallet. What is that? It's a friggin' USB stick. Okay. 
and you have a password to get into that USB stick, which is what, 24 characters or something? Yeah, 24 random words. 24 random words. And what if you don't know that, that 24 random words? Oh, it goes away. Then you can never recover your USB stick. So, like, it's got to get... Sorry, there's so many free flights. It's got to so get... So it's a bunch of gift cards flying around out there that you can get your hands on, basically, right? Well, you can't get your hands on it. But... Because you need to know that 24-word code to get into that USB stick. Well, there's a bunch of guys that try and oh, really yeah. hard do that, right? Yeah. yeah. You remember that story where there was $300 million on a, on a stick? And yeah. it was a su- special security stick that if he guessed the wrong password five times or whatever, it would wipe everything. Oh, yeah, and ten he had times. four in or something, whatever. Yeah. In. Holy yeah. shit. So what happened? Don't know. <laughs> it's gone? I never heard I think, of it. I think he's sitting on it until technology catches up and he's able to crack in. And just huh. going to keep growing. Damn. I mean, at that point, how much are you paying someone? That's like when you get like a bond from your parents and you got to wait till you're 18 to cash it for a little bit heavier, right? <laughs> how much was that? Oh, it was some crazy amount. It was like 200 million US. And that was like, we talked about this like a year and a half ago. So now it's probably even higher. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, give someone 10%, right? That's like $40 million, 30 million. Crack it. Mm. Someone will get it. I don't understand it. Yeah, nearly as well as I'd like to. But Mm. what I do understand is that our current system sucks. And this seems like it's going to be better long term. It's interesting that like, what I don't understand is how can anyone be assured that Bitcoin is the actual thing that is going to be the long term hold? That's, yeah. No one knows. Yeah, No. Like what if something, a system that is designed better than Bitcoin comes out next year? Is Bitcoin go to zero? It depends if it catches on something maybe more efficient with trading, right? Yeah. Easier to trade, whatever. Could happen. That's why it's like a little bit scary. And I don't know, like a lot of people who put a lot of money into this shit, I don't really understand, but hmm. it's very entertaining. Yeah, I know. There's like these young people making some serious money on it, right? Are they not? Or what is that? Some of, the guys, some of the guys that, you know, work for me are the, in that demographic, like 20 to 30. I don't know what they were doing there for a while, but they were all pretty excited about this. And there was the GameStop thing. What was that? When they were driving the stock on mm-hmm. Reddit up. Yeah. What is, what's going on? You what's know that? that. You know that story. So some hedge fund wanted to short the stock. And, uh, yeah. Right. So people kept buying it, keep purchasing. And then the hedge fund lost billions and billions of dollars. And it was all just because people yeah. bought it together and just the organized it on Reddit. Whatever. But if you're finding out about that on Reddit, you're, yeah. you're too late, right? <laughs> yeah. I just told them, just, yeah. just save it, man. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Then there's like a bunch of other coins that are just fad coins that have no real backing, right? Like a Doge. I think it's just a scam. Like, I don't know. There's no long-term plan with it, right? It's just a currency. The way I look at it is like cryptocurrency, if it was like the beginning of the internet, I'd say it being a currency is like as the internet, the only being able to send emails, right? But now there's so much more that we could do with the internet, online banking, videos, whatever. I think crypto will start like becoming mainstream and filling. Well, it's already doing that, right? Because there's already so many different avenues. There's like wealth holding like a Bitcoin. There is like platform building like an Ethereum, yeah, right? Or like other coin building, industry building essentially. <laughs> and then there's currency, which is like stable coins. And then there's investing off of the DeFi. Stable, yeah. Right. 
borrowing money against what you have. Carl, you want to talk about banging nails into wood or what? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'll talk about anything. Yeah, okay. I was just about to segue into, we, all three of us combined, have no fucking yeah, idea what we're, we're talking, talking about, about on this stuff. Project, so let's talk about real estate, yeah. Real estate or construction. That's the last 18 months has just been like, it's, I don't know if you're the same as me, because I, I know your industry has been as busy as mine in the yeah. last 18 months. I don't know if you're... Like I consciously, I don't know how often it would be, weekly, maybe, just like sit back, have a beer at night and just be like, man, I'm so fucking thankful to be in this avenue of work. Like, yes, I work my ass off. Yes, I think I've put in enough time and energy and like have built a shit ton of skill to be successful in this thing, but I can't control the fact that some lab in China releases this shit. It's not proven yet, but it seems like that's the number one. We can avoid that conversation for now. But mm. for some reason, our couple industries have just boomed. Yeah. Whereas so many, like I have lots of friends in hospitality and like brewery owners and like for six months, they were just like figuring yeah. out whether or not they're allowed to open. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a little scary for a bit, but we've been, I, I can't tell you how many times we've said that in the last two years. Mm. Like we're lucky, you know, you get the, so we were hanging out like that works still with all your buddies. It's killer, right? Mm. We've been pretty blessed, but yeah, it's been volatile though. Yeah. With the COVID. It's with work. For us, it's been strange. It's like just, really, you maybe shed some light on like construction industry. Cause I kind of have a maybe like slightly insider perspective on someone who's not in the industry just because I see it all the time and mm-hmm. like my brother's involved in it. I talk to Carl all the time. Yeah, I mean, I I would say it was obviously just like anything. It was weird times, but, you know, you just do what you can, move mm-hmm. along, right? You, we were in the middle of that uh, restaurant for uh, Potluck on Main Street. And, uh, they're, uh, they're from New Westminster. And they were like all in on this restaurant and then COVID struck about 80% done their project. Uh, And it was a guy, um, I don't know if you know who they are, the guys at Potluck, super awesome guys. Uh, Good restaurant, go and check them out. Um, But yeah, stopped. These guys, one guy was uh, in overseas to get money or with investors or something when COVID struck in the middle of construction of his restaurant and he was stuck there for like five months or something. He was in Singapore when that went down. So yeah, I mean, it stopped a lot of projects dead in their, dead in their heels. And uh, I saw some companies quit right away and some companies just ignored it. Um, I think we thought about a, a little bit. I was in the middle of a renovation on my own house. I was in a busy time already. Um, so I wasn't even like living in my house when that happened. So it was pretty crazy, but, uh, yeah, you just keep going, right? We're got to keep going. What do you do? So we did and turned out good. Glad I did. Cause uh, I seen a couple guys that quit and they're still just coming back now. And you're like, Whoa. And everyone that kept going did pretty good the last couple of years, I'd say. I feel like yeah. that's a pretty key character trait of an entrepreneur that 
like shit happens every fucking day. And the people that are successful just figure it out. Right? Like, yes, this is a different Apple. Yes, this is like this worldwide crazy thing that happened that is still going on. But it seems like the people that are like, if you in your head right now, think of like the top five business owners that you know, how many of them are just people that no matter what, they're just the first, figuring the it first out guy and going, moving on. Dana White. Remember Dana White? Put that in your Remember case. Dana White? Yeah, 100%. He was just like, screw it, man. Yes, yeah. You guys are all, let's just do an island. Let's go. And everyone was like, this guy's an <laughs> idiot. And now I'm looking at Dana White going, holy smokes, that guy's a genius. He's got that done. He's mm-hmm. just wrapped up. Perfect. I was just like, yeah, he, he called it. He just sent everyone to an island. He just did it. Everyone was like, I can't believe this guy's doing it. And he did. It was awesome. Was there anything like super strange that was a hard adjustment for you? Because in our industry, I kind of took it as like, let's use this first 30 days to see what the world is going to do and then adjust. Because I don't think it's very, um, very smart to just like say, fuck it, we're doing this. Like the Dana White thing, yeah. I remember at the no, time I'm, 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 seeing yeah. him do that was like, Seems slightly like off color. I don't know how people are going to take this versus like for our industry, usually March and April are two of the busiest months we have in a year. Mm -hmm. And they were cut to about a third of the typical business we do. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, let's see how this plays out. And then going through April, I remember being like, this is not as bad as what people are thinking. We can probably start getting. Uh, you know, back to normal. And consumers were saying that as well. Right. So consumers at that point were like, I'm working from home. This seems like it's going to last longer than it is um, that, you know, the government is telling me it's going to last. Seems like my company is going to work from home for a long time. I live in a two bedroom condo. I have a kid. Let's get some more space. And so like the consumers were almost telling me that my industry is going to get busier. So let's just Let's go, right? Yeah, like after a few months or after about a year there, everyone was like, shit, I've been sitting in my house here for a It was like couple three of months, years. man. Yeah, Two or three so months. the phone started ringing yeah. and we couldn't even keep up. Like it was just, you know, everyone needed an office space. Everyone was needed another bedroom for their kid because they had not enough room. Or they, And then the summer came and they went outside and they needed a whatever on their backyard they needed a deck so yeah definitely tons of calls uh so people weren't afraid to have a stranger in their house to look at uh, a renovation but on yeah. my side of the industry it is really challenging right now and for the last 12 months a lot of consumers that are upsizing or let's say have like bought a house a couple of years ago and were planning to do renos and now they want to do them because maybe they haven't taken a vacation for two years and mm-hmm. they have some cash to burner now they have the excess cash it's so hard to recommend people because i say like carl's great for like smaller jobs if you need like a bedroom and or sorry like a kitchen and a bathroom he's awesome but mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to help you till june next year dude and that's funny that you consider that a small job Wh- you know whatever right yeah yeah like, yeah if someone says i need what like what's smaller than that people just repair like a sp- specific piece of your siding outside or I don't something's even, leaking. Honestly, or? I don't even have a person. Like I know. That. I say Google handyman. Good put, luck. Put an yeah. ad on Craigslist. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, but then there's like bigger stuff. Say I want to do like my whole main floor. 
Okay. Hyag is awesome. Mm -hmm. Who like the couple companies I usually talk to or share. And, but then I'm prefacing it with, they probably won't help you for 12 months. And I've never had to do that before. So from your, I, I guess my like whole process here is like from your side of the industry, how are you handling those conversations with people being like, I need to renovate my kitchen. And you're like, I can help you in 16 months from now, 12 months from now, eight months from now. Uh, this last year, it's been hectic. It's just yeah. been like, who can do it? And they'll pay, right? So if you have, I think one of the, one of the keys for us having a good year or a good, a decent year uh, was that we had really strong connections with all our trades. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, good direct suppliers that we could always rely on and mm -hmm. uh, we could deliver, right? Where uh, I can tell you firsthand that uh, some of the jobs that we got were because people couldn't, right? And then they came to us and, and we, and that's okay. But um, yeah, well, so that was, that's part of it, I guess. But, yeah. That's even like a different side of the industry because like Carl and his company are doing most of the jobs, whereas you are like a GC, right? It seems like you but contract my, a oh, bunch of stuff and yeah, not so it's really. Like my, it's, it's crazy, but like my construction experience is, is, is all over the, the spectrum, right? So the handyman end, like my partner Jamison and I got our start in handyman work. Like, to be honest with you, we did Remax commercial strata maintenance mm. and a uh, lot learned tons of shit there, man. Cause we did, used to adjust door closures for, you know, common area spaces, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so there's, you know, there's, and I think what, what you should do if you're, if you're in this game, you got to kind of pick timeline wise, how much each your, your work should take, right? Like if you, if you're going to be doing big work, then you have to be patient and it's going to come slower. Sure. Right. Um, but you can't, you know, and you can find smaller stuff to fill it in. But I guess, um, if you're a handyman, you got to be on the phone and going to the next guy. And that's, that's what it was when we were at three max and doing their type of work. Uh, they would call us and we would go. And that's why they called us. Right. We didn't go, we didn't wait. We went right away. And they would pay any, you know, a lot of money for that service. Uh, and then, so that's what you have to do is kind of find your niche, definitely. And uh, if you find one that you're, you like, that's great and stick to it. Right? When was that? When, when were you doing the handyman stuff? How do you know Jameson? Jameson. So high school? I played hot. Yeah. Hot. Well, no, he went to STM. I went to Oh, he did. I didn't yeah. know. Uh, oh, yeah. What's his last name? DeMarkey. That's right. I didn't know that. Um, we played hockey together growing up, so I knew him through sports. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we've always known each other. And he worked with a guy that did that, actually. So I, I, I just started working with him probably in my, when I was about 24, I'd say. And before that, uh, what did I do? Wanted, what, should I start with my construction career? 100%. Okay. Where did it start? I want the good stuff, though. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. My first job in construction. I started off working for a family outfit, kind of family outfit, and it was just laboring. And uh, I was about 17. That was my first job in construction. 
That's all. That's pretty much when I started construction. And from day one, you're like, this is for me. Not <laughs> necessarily. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Definitely not. Um, I would say it was kind of one of those situations where I had to get into it. Um, and luckily, it was something I loved. Uh, so out of high school, I was, I'm an only child. And uh, my, I was on my own pretty much when I was about 19, 20. So it was kind of the time when uh, your friends are partying and hanging out, but I had to work. And so we did the construction thing, me and a bunch of my buddies. So Olympics were coming in. Uh, so there was a lot of construction going on. Um, so it was easy to get a job. And so I started off on the towers, right, doing concrete form work. Uh, which is hard work. That is probably one of the hardest things you could do in construction, oh, for sure. It's awful. But fuck, it teaches you how to work hard, man. And I started there, man. Uh, the first job in that game would have been at the River Rock Casino. Mm -hmm. So I worked there. Uh, I remember stacking lumber at the River Rock Casino, man. That was it. And I was it sucked. So I saw these carpenters working and I said, well, if they see me working hard, they'll go there. I started pulling the nails for the carpenters real hard and moved my way up like that. And that was for Metro Can at the River Rock. And then I did a couple other towers for them. And uh, yeah, I loved it. It was crazy. Dangerous work. You climb up outside of those gang forums, your flying tables. <clears throat> I've seen people get killed on the job there and it was, it was it, before the Olympics, it was wild, man. Like it was crazy, pretty traumatic, man. Like it's, it was crazy. And uh, yeah, so it was fun, but uh, different now. The kids nowadays don't know how easy they got it, man. Uh, I, I, if there's any guys that are like 35 to 40 that did that, it was definitely different then than it is now, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think you can say that for so many industries, though. Like 20 like, years is a while ago, right? Like that totally. was 20 years ago, right? I'm, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm getting old. But 20 years ago, things were a lot different, right, compared to now. So, yeah, the rules weren't followed like they were before. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I did that for a while. Um, my dad was married to somebody for a while and uh, they had a, there was a company I went and worked for them and it was a great opportunity because uh, it was a multifamily construction. I got to get in on kind of the ground floor with like a, a smaller mid-range company. I'd say kind of similar to like what Hayek is now, right? And uh, so, you know, it was cool. I got to hang out in the trailer with the superintendent and and actually, like a couple of times, thought maybe I was smarter than that guy. And I was like, well, that's okay. But one day. And uh, so that was really cool. I first aid attendant kind of guy and did that. Did that for about 10, 2010-ish, uh, I think that was. So from there, yeah, so that was really awesome. I did about uh, Fraser Corridor, you know, Fraser Street? Yeah. 17th and Fraser. Mm -hmm. I did two multi- Story Towers there, 17th and 20th. Yeah. The Blossom. And I think you sold one there. I did. And it was all effed up. And I messaged you and I was like, uh, I don't know, don't say anything, but I was, <laughs> <wasn't>, <laughs> <laughs> there was problems there with that one because of the ground sinking around that whole area. Eh? Did you see that? 
Do you notice that when you're in that area? Fraser and 17th? Mm. So that was like a bog, right? So when you dig there, it's peat moss. It's like warm, warm, like composting peat moss down there. There's like a river down there. And uh, so it's not good for building on. So it was like you had to drive piles. It's like a suspended building that's on piles. So the, the building's good, but the ground all around it kept going down, right? So all the sidewalks were kind of hanging off the building and stuff after 15 years or whatever. It's cool to see in the last two years, I think I am like 100,000 times more knowledgeable in the construction space of real estate than I was before, yeah. but I still have no goddamn clue compared to like you guys. No, but and I don't so it's know cool. anything. That's the thing. It never ends. That's how I feel 100%. too. I feel oh, like yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always a faster way. Yeah. Um, especially with technology now, right? Like it... I'm learning that I'm an idiot with technology and it's affecting my product, like, like the actual product now because I'm spending too much time um, trying to type on a computer when I shouldn't. Yeah, like you can do so many things really amazing on a computer now, right? So, uh, clarify, like just it's, it's amazing. So, yeah, the, the getting the billing done faster definitely frees you up to be more creative and stuff right so uh that's definitely something that we've been working on pretty hard in the last little bit here so that we can spare some time for doing what we do best right not not that so yeah i have a ridiculous amount of questions based on that last four minutes of what you just said yeah starting with You thought you were smarter than the guy that you're working for. <laughs> no, I didn't think I was. No, I not, felt like that so no. many times in my life. I'm uh, sure like so many people have. But how old were you then? You were like mid, late 20s? Uh, tw- no. Mid 20s? No, 20, probably 20s. 23 or 4. <laughs> At that time, are you thinking about, I want to be self-employed? I want to run oh, yeah. my own yeah. thing? Yeah? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So where where did that start let's say i don't you're know you're gaining all this knowledge yeah. like doing multifamily well, like working some cool jobs learning a shit ton and then it's like okay, i just I'm don't take directions well man to be honest so i like to be i'm more of a i'm definitely more of a uh, i don't i don't i do my thing and i'm a leader more than i am a follower ask carl sure. what happens when people tell me what to do <laughs> You tell them what? Bad things. No. I don't even care if it's the right thing. You I see just the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of me in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Like, I am, I'm pretty much, yeah. Right. Well, I'll admit it. It's, it's my, in my nature. And yeah, I wouldn't do very well uh, in an office setting, put it, put it that way, you know. Jamie and I, I'm pretty, I'm being very reserved right now. Yeah. Trust me. I'm with you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jamie and I say this like at least a few times a year. We just, something happens and we're like having conversation about the business and we just start laughing and we're just like, man, we are so unemployable. If real estate ever goes sideways, uh, no, I hear you. we're unemployable. We're going to go into a job interview and we're, and we're going to dictate and they're just going to be like, we can't hire you. And we're going to be like, yeah, that's right. You can't. That, does that ever freak you out about real estate though? Like no, if that crashes? It excites me. Yeah. 
Good Ooh. for you. That's cool. But I always know that there's stuff to fix, at least. That's the worst case scenario. I can go fix things. Yeah. But I mean, that's obviously the, you know, not going to happen for me. But um, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. No, I feel I, like I've learned so much in terms of just. And being your job your doesn't define you necessarily, right? No. But so, like being on your own, yes, the real estate thing is like the business that we're running, but we're running a business and those skills are so transferable across industries. It's so cool. And like part of the reason for having podcasts like this is to chat with people in different industries that are doing this, a similar thing. And there's so many similarities, whether yeah. you run a construction company or a media company, or like we've had a few people that run like uh, marijuana, CBD companies on like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's like a lot of the like traits and like problems that you're dealing with and the like employees that you're handling and like all that stuff is, is kind of across the board. And every company's strengths, a lot of other companies are their huge weaknesses. So totally assistant, you know, being able to talk to other people is, is key, right? Or at least opening conversations, being, feeling comfortable talking. The construction industry isn't like that. So it's tough, right? We're pretty competitive guys. It's a lot of alpha guys that are, that are running the company, mm-hmm. right? So you get your egos are are out there big time, right? Um, even with your friends, right? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's hard so to communicate with construction. Like, you know how many times I'm I'm looking at them? Like, I just want to ask that, but I know that they're not going to tell me, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they would, but I wish they could, I wish you could do that more. But I think it would bite you. It's tough to say. I don't know. It's. F- this is an outsider looking in, but like, <clears throat> it seems like it's a almost like a fake perspective on the world in your little industry because it's like a bubble yeah. that is, yeah. I'm just going to throw out a random percentage, yeah. 99.7% male. Like, mm, yeah, you're probably right on. Yeah. I'm just oh, yeah. randomly guessing. Oh, yeah. Real estate's kind of cool where it's like very multicultural and like, I'd say it's probably more male than female, 60-40 maybe, but it's there's still like a lot of female and so many different nationalities that are realtors in Greater Vancouver. So it's like a very good mix of what Vancouver is versus like your industry is probably dominated by Caucasian males. Yeah. Uh- well, I wouldn't say Caucasian males necessarily. I think it's changing, but, um, yeah. But, um, changing, yeah. Def- I, the, the coolest part about the people part of it is the, the, so many different people's homes. You get to yeah. meet so many different clients. Sure. And that's the biggest challenge of the job. I, the, the easy part is putting your kitchen in. It's, yeah. it's building a relationship with the client, making sure that they trust you, um, you know, all those things. Uh, you know, and that's just... Um, Definitely the number one challenge is closing. It's just like you, you go in for your, um, when you have a meeting, right, to, to try and get a, a, a listing. That's, you probably have a system but that you go through every time you go to a, a thing. So that's why I'm here. What's your system? Like, what's your closing deal? How do you close people to use Danny Duma as their realtor? I'll back that up with a question of <clears throat> how much emphasis do you put on uh, the relationship with clients and like the customer service versus the product that you're delivering? I think it ends up almost 100% the relationship. 
it's, it's, it, every single person is so different and that's what you need to get used to. Mm -hmm. Because if you go in there with one way of doing it, you're just going to get one type of client and, uh, you have to kind of adjust. Some people are going to text you at 10 o'clock at night. Some people are going to say, here's the plans. And they're going to say, call me when you're done. Right. So, uh, and then they're going to come back when you're done and be pissed about what you did. And, and so it's, uh, I don't know. It's just trying to figure out people constantly. Um, and my job especially is like as a, as kind of a general contractor is trying to figure out what people are telling me, if it's BS or if it's true or, or if they're going to actually come when they say they're going to come. Like a, you know, like, it's like you get, it's almost like a game of poker sometimes when you play, <laughs> when you call a guy, right? You know, the game and you're like. Like you're talking about with trades? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're starting to catch on now, but then, I don't know. I, I, I learned so much from all the people that I've had really good opportunities to work with. And there was a one guy uh, and he's, I don't know if you see people's names on here and stuff. Does it matter? I don't know. Like, Let's go first names. Yeah. 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 Dave, this guy named Dave. Uh, I worked with him for a long That's time. That's good. Cause there's only like, there's yeah. a lot of Dave's, eh? But anyways, 80,000 in Korea. <laughs> One of my favorite bosses, but he was an asshole, right? Like he was, he taught me how to work hard. And I, I remember it was the, the, the summer and the winter of the Olympics, what was that, in 2010? Yeah. That was such a crazy, awesome winter. Was it? Good. Oh. That must be nice. I didn't get to enjoy any of that because of <laughs> Dave. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so that summer was smoking hot, and he made us work Monday to Saturday, uh, tens every day, right? And uh, no, like it, he was the kind of guy It was like, I don't care what you do, if you're coming in like if you're coming in an ambulance I don't give a shit right like so he taught me a hard lesson that you know life's not always easy like you got to work hard sometimes to get stuff done and if you're at the bottom it sucks so you better work your ass off and not stay there right kind of that's what that's what I took from him anyway but he always left you liking him you know he'd be a dick but he would always you'd always leave and you'd be like fuck god you still like the guy, you know? So it's it's a kind of a, a tightrope in this game of walking that line of, you know, being kind of direct and forceful with people when you need to be and still making sure that they want to come back and work for you again, right? And okay, I have a follow-up on Dave, but yeah. I first want to share a story about the Olympics. Okay. The Is Olympics? it fun? Because I had okay. to take my first aid lessons at night uh, because that's the only time that I, yeah, so I didn't, I got out one, one night, but it was fun. I don't know how old you are, but I'm assuming you're kind of in the same age bracket as me. I don't know. Four years older, I think. You're 35, 36? 37. 37. Okay. Me and Carla, 32. Yeah. Okay. So in 2010, we were 21. Oh yeah. That which is literally the premier age to have the Olympics in your city of all time. Yeah. And at the time... I was playing basketball at UBC. Okay. And I was my first year at UBC. So every road trip, there was four first year dudes on our team. And every road trip, we had to rotate who wasn't going on the road trip because they only bring 10 people on the road trip. And there's 12 people on our team. 
Okay. So every, the first year had to rotate. So it just so happens that my rotation to not go on the road trip was to Saskatchewan, which no one wants to go there anyway, during the Olympics. And so like coach pulls you into his office. He's like, you know, bad news. Unfortunately, like we can't bring on the road trip, whatever, whatever, whatever bullshit. And I had to play this fucking, you know, it's disappointing. I feel like I had a good week of practice. I feel like I'd be ready to go. And in my head, I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And those four days that our team was away were one of the best four days of my life. During the Olympics, it was like one night I was in Canada house and I was so shit faced and I have no clue what happened that night. But you're in like the Canada house with like the hockey games going on, the curling, whatever bullshit. And there's free liquor everywhere. And you afterwards, you end up on Granville and you get into some club that you have no idea what it is or how you got in there. And people are just feeding you liquor. And it was such a cool experience that our city was just full of like everyone from every country, from everywhere. And everyone wanted to be your friend. Yeah. It was was so cool. You'd sit at a bar. You know where your buddies were when they were in Saskatchewan? Do I know what they, what? Where they were. Where they were? Boston Pizza. That's all they got there. That's exactly right. Boston Pizza. Have you ever been to Saskatchewan? In uh, in Boston Pizza. Have you ever been there? I don't think I have. I think I've driven through. Jameson and I used to work with this guy, uh, Ross. He's a great guy. Awesome guy. Uh, And he's from Saskatchewan. And we've been out there a few times. There's not much in Saskatchewan about Boston pizza. My brother went to school in uh, at University of Manitoba in, what's that city called? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yep. Yeah. And so I visited him a couple times, and it's I assume it's the same as Saskatchewan. It's just in the prairies. Yeah. Everything's flat. Just so looks flat, yeah. When you go there in the winter, it's minus 40 every day. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Yeah, no, it's not good. Yeah, he, he, Ross used to say, Oh, you drive off the road? I said, what if you drive off the road if you go that fast? He goes, well, you just drive back on. This <laughs> <laughs> is flat and it's true. You're son of frozen oh, man. Yeah. Now the Olympics, yeah, that was a good time, eh? You had fun. It was so fun. 21. Like perfect age. If you're between 19 and probably 29, it was the perfect age. If you're 35 and you have two kids, it's different. Yeah. I didn't have two kids right. then. No, no. Well, I was yeah. only no, 24 no. or 24. 25 when that was going on, but Perfect. I was in, uh, <clears throat> I was in, uh, ambulance class or first aid lessons for, because of Dave, Dave made me take, uh, ambulance classes or first aid classes in the evenings. So I didn't get to go out for two weeks. So scheduled, young dude scheduled for, when was the Olympics? When was it? Like the December, it was, 20, it was in January, January, right? To mid-February. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing? Yeah. 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 It was like those two weeks. It was like, Oh, Jake, you got to take your first aid again. I was like, whoa, when is it? He's like, oh, it's evenings, uh, <laughs> 7 till 10 every night from, and I was like, this is when the Olympics are. He's like, well, fuck, that's it, man. You got to do it. And I was like, oh, but I, I didn't have a choice. That was, I didn't have a, that, like I said, I was kind of on my own, right, Denny? So I didn't, I had to work. I, did, I didn't have the option of being like, screw you, man, I'm quitting, going home. Hey, don't think I had a cushy life. Yeah. During... Even while I was playing at UBC, I was bartending three nights a week. Yeah. And so during the Olympics, I was bartending three nights a week, which is also fun in it, in it of itself, whatever that saying is. I'm not an English professor. No. Those nights at the bar were so fun. When you're working which and you're totally you sober. Um, 
During the Olympics, I was at Oscars, which is on Hastings and Boundary in Burn. I know Burnaby. the one. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Very like they local have the, you know, neighborhood the float, pub. The, you know, float senses right there now. You know, have you ever been to one of those things? Nah. You know, Joe Rogan talks about those things all the yeah. time, right? Those float tanks. Check things. out float sense right beside Oscars there. Oh, I've never name? done. Have you done one of the those? deprivation tanks? Yeah, yeah. no, Do never. It. It's killer. Try it out. How long are you in there for? You, fuck it. I don't. You can't even tell, man. It's trippy. <laughs> no, you go. You, uh, I think it's like an hour and a half. You pick a set, like however long you want to yeah. go for. I've only would done you, it. I've done it about five times. Yeah, it's cool. Would you recommend going stoned? Yeah. Yeah. What day and yeah. time do you do that at? Then whenever. Because if I if I have to put my phone down for an hour and a half. I'm not interested. Really? You should try it. Maybe in 10 years from now. You're addicted to the phone, eh? I'm not addicted to the That's phone. A, I'm addicted to making money and yeah. business. Yeah. And no, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But um, sometimes I'll, you got to just take 30 minutes. That's it. You no. got to sleep, 30 right? Minutes is okay. So it's like almost like having like a sleep. So that's what happens. It's like that's why I asked you what day and time do you go? Yeah, like I go during Sunday the day. Sunday at eight p.m. I'm I'm totally fine doing this thing. It, oh, but no, Monday uh, at nine a.m. Not interested. No, no, no. <laughs> but like instead of if it's like lunchtime, you can go like for an hour. And yeah. what happens is if because I got I I have some sleeping issues, so it's really good for it's like meditation to the max. So uh, you uh, go in there and you'll fall asleep. Like you fall asleep in there. It's crazy. You can't tell which way you are up down anywhere the water is uh the exact same um temperature as the air in your body so you don't even feel the water anymore so you're just basically floating so it'd be like you're in space essentially are you and making an effort not to move like nope. you're yeah if you move like floating? this you'll feel the water kind yeah, of yeah. go up on your skin but you stay still there's salt in the water so it helps tons you of salt in the water yeah. so, so it makes you float right? yeah yeah, yeah. And don't get it, you know, if you get it in your eyes, it's pretty salty. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So like in an hour, we'll go by, it feels like seven minutes. And it's like you just have like a little mini power nap. It's kind of crazy. Hmm. And how do you, how do they tell you the session is done? Well, the, it'll, like this nice little music comes on slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like, there's like a light come on or something, however it is. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about in there? Uh, try not to think about anything. Nothing. So you're that, actually, that he actually tries to meditate. That sounds impossible to me. Yeah. yeah. How That's are you not meditation. thinking about anything? That's you're meditating about something. No. You can't meditate on nothing. Well. That's exactly meditation. Yeah, yeah but, no, but you have to be thinking about something, right? Like, this is a personal experience. <laughs> I've tried this yeah. a handful of times. And all I can think about it, like I'll close my eyes and lie down or something, whatever. And I'll just be like, man, it's so black. Why is it so black? <laughs> yeah. Where's that black coming you from? I'm definitely off, not right? an expert right? in, 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 yeah. in it. But something is happening definitely. in my head. It's mm. not like. Yeah, that's, that's what you're trying to stop. Stop. Yeah, because mm. when you can calm it down for a bit, when you get it back going, it, it's even better. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, yeah I can just <laughs> I can think about nothing for like 10 15 seconds but then the trouble is like something comes into your brain right and you try to fight that. So yeah, I mean you never read anything about it at all. Read about like flow med- meditation or, or or like so you just need like to focus on your breathing or something until you go back, right? So if you start thinking about real estate or 
whatever I you just believe do that meditation is different for different people. I Absolutely. I, I don't believe 100%. that thinking about nothing for an hour and a half would be at all beneficial to me. Maybe I'm not wrong. at this point in your life. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I talk about meditation as like exercise for me. Oh yeah. It's I like, definitely. like exercising for 30, 60 minutes a day and That's, it is so good. And that is where I feel like the most clear. And I literally, I run with my ha- my phone in my hand. Oh my God. Because it is, is when my mind is working so quickly and I have so many thoughts and I just have a note open and I just type as I'm running, which maybe is weird. Something that know, I'm but. trying to do more is write things down in my phone or when I have a thought. I got a lot of good ideas, right? Shit and then I forget about them. All the time. I'm like, yeah. so in the middle of, I got a brizzy brain, right? So in the middle of the night, I think of a really great idea. I'm like, fuck, and then I get going on it all night. And then uh, I wake up in the morning like, oh, shit, what was that I was thinking about? So, yeah, I've been trying to write them down more, but, yeah. So that's why you do that, eh? You're always writing it stuff down. I just put things down. Yeah. Often, like, when we have podcasts that night or then the next night or something, I usually just start a uh, note on my phone that says, like, Jake Podcast. Mm-hmm. And anything that pops in my head about, like, you, what I know about you, what I want to know about you. It's mm. just like... What's on the list? In your list, there's um, industry, organization, and experience, um, extremely important, and see how, see others make mistakes all the time. Oh, so <clears throat> this happened today. Mm-hmm. Our industry is so crazy that I don't know other industries that are like this, where your competitors, you also need to be best friends with because you work with them on a daily basis because there's two realtors involved yeah. in every transaction on the buy and sell side. Yeah, that's right? crazy. I never really thought about that. It's weird. How do you deal? It's like dealing with like an ex-girlfriend like all yeah, the time. All the time. It's weird. And and it's either good or it's bad. That's kind of how it goes, right? It's, it's interesting because... I think you just because, have to get over it. No? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I don't have a trouble doing it. It's more just like, I was thinking about it yesterday on a run, and that's why I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Like, man, our industry is so strange. Like, what other industries are like this? Yeah, and it's not necessarily that. that we're competing against other people for listings, because often that's not the case. Or if they are, they're <clears throat> like a few people, but not a lot. Let's say Newest is like a prime market of ours. We rarely compete against a lot of the other big players in Newest. Mm-hmm. It's more like that person who's selling that home is naturally drawn to either GD or Dave Valley or whoever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Based on personality, it's usually age. A, in a smaller setting like that. It's probably a relationship thing, right? More totally. than a, they're not looking up a person on the internet. They're probably just going with with the the person they've been selling their house with for the last twenty years. Right? Totally. So. Yeah, I mean, so it's easier to de- comprehend it there, right? Uh, I don't know if it happens in, in our industry too, too much. Um, but you definitely go into positions where you have falling outs with people that you're friends with sure. on a business level. So business is personal. And, you you know, if you're friends with somebody and he screws you in business and he tells you it's business, well, he's still your friend and he's still screwed you. Like, I, I saw I look at it. Um, so... It happens, but not that it doesn't happen to us very uh, like that. It's more like for us, it would be like if somebody didn't fall, you know, come through for us, and then 
you have, you know, then you don't use them again or something like that, or, you know, you feel a little bad, but. Then, because I brought that up to Carl before you got here, mm-hmm. and the kind of idea that we thought of was it's more like subcontractors, where you have the relationship, you're not necessarily, they're mm. not part of your business, but you have this relationship with them that you like commonly work together, but you're also doing your own thing. But you never really compete against them, right? Yeah. There's also yeah. this, um, there, there's definitely a, some some of that that happens where it's like, you know, they feel like you should give them this or that. I guess so, right? I don't know. I try not to pay attention to it. Mm. I just pick what I think is the right thing to do and I just do it. And if you don't like it, well, mm-hmm. don't work for me. <laughs> what, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. Tell them, you know, and honesty honestly pays off. Like, uh, you know, that's, you know, I think a lot of the trades people that have worked for Jameson and I uh, will say that, that we're pretty honest. Like if, if something happens and like doesn't really happen very rarely, you know, very rarely, maybe somebody doesn't pay us on time, we'll just tell them, right? Like I'm not going to lie to you and... And, 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 and just, just be honest, like, and it works most of the time, you know, people, people would rather hear the truth. And I think about that all the time. And yeah. I learned uh, that from, from Jameson hundred mm. percent. Like, he's just like, I hear him say stuff and I'm just like, wow, good for you, man. He just goes in there and just, <laughs> so this is what it is. And I'm okay. like, ah, yeah, good. Yeah. And then instead of trying to sugarcoat it and make it sound better than it is, no. It's going to cost you this much, and that's how much it's going to cost. And take it or leave it. And then there's just no bull, bull after that, right? It's funny that um, I think the natural reaction for a lot of people, and myself included, is I need to make this sound appealing to who I'm talking to. Yeah. Versus what I've, I've learned in this seven and a half year career in real estate is. I need to tell people what is actually going to happen and they're going to respect me a hell of a lot more. Yeah. And I also, for my own personal like pride, I am way more comfortable being wrong than I am in knowing that I'm um, expanding the truth. And where for me it happens often is valuations of properties. Mm -hmm. When we know we're going into a listing that they've already met with three other realtors, I'm going in there and I know the value of a property, especially if it's in New West or Burnaby or the Tri-Cities. Like we know those markets so well mm-hmm. that I'm going to tell you what it's going to sell for within like a $25,000 gap, which is ridiculously small in mm-hmm. this, these crazy markets. Mm-hmm. But I know that other realtors that have gone in before me mm-hmm. have said higher numbers Oh yeah, because they just want to get the listing. Mm. And so I'll almost address it in listing apartments being like, look, I know you've probably heard numbers between 1.2 and 1.3. Yeah. Based on these seven things, like I know that it's going to sell in this little, little range and I'm totally fine being wrong, but I never want, and I think about this all the time going into listening appointments. It's like, I, I never want to be the guy who says a number that I don't believe in. Definitely. Definitely. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, like, We've lost lots of opportunities just because we wouldn't tell them a number a little lower. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just like crazy to me. It's like, you just want me to say it and you'll let me do it, but it's going to cost this much <laughs> though, you know? I like, it's like, you have to, be, I mean, why? Because you're just going to be in a mess at the end, right? So it's not worth it. 
So. What percentage of your jobs go over the number that you think it's going to go? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the times, well, we do a lot of old, older houses, right? So a lot of people, they'll, they'll call us up and they'll say, hey, we need a new kitchen. We'll go in and we'll have a look at their kitchen. So yeah, you need a new kitchen. <laughs> but before you put a new kitchen in here, you're going to need to do some other things. Like you can't just hook up a sink to this, you know. So then you, you open up this can of worms and you've spent, you know, so essentially you're, you're spending twice what you would prepare to spend on your kitchen before you even start your kitchen. Mm. So, you know, our company definitely will, will tell them that where, you know, maybe someone else won't put, and they'll just put a kitchen in. Um, but, um, yeah, so you have to make sure that when you're spending your money on your house, uh, that is going in the right places. Um, you know, you can't just move walls, you know, around without making sure that there's a foundation underneath it, right. That that's going to hold it up. So it's an important thing that a lot of people don't think about is like updating the systems of your home, whether it's like electrical, plumbing, what, whatever it adds value to your home. So if you're doing a kitchen reno and your contractor says the plumbing is all fucked up, like we need to update some of the plumbing too, and Mm -hmm. it's going to cost an extra 10 grand, but it's going to help prolong the life of this new kitchen that you're putting in. It's not the contractor trying to fuck you out of 10 grand. It's the contractor trying to save you money. In, yeah, I, I don't like, understand. It's not like I, it's not like I get the 10 grand. Like yeah. it goes into the, your house, right? Like it's, it, I, so, I mean, um, and if we're telling you that, it's normally a good thing. Because if, if um, the, I can leave it in there and find more ways to make money in my pocket. But that's, that's a decision that we definitely make you have to make because we're never going to put our stuff in there and then have a pipe leak above it and go into your kitchen that we just did and you know that's just not the right thing to do so yeah you gotta you gotta make sure you know what you're doing when you go especially into these older houses new construction now is just about staying up with the next thing right so it's step codes and trying to improve on things and that's cool to me too right trying to build a better mousetrap is an interesting thing to me as well. Sure. Um, trying to solve problems is fun and also trying to go in that direction is, is fun too, right? And learning how to build better and not just, uh, not just uh, fix better, so, for, so, so to say, right? Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of new stuff that's always coming in to, to, the, to, to the industry for older houses too, right? So... Uh, there's lots of new systems. The heating systems are super complicated when you get into older homes. Um, you know that when mm-hmm. we worked on on, you know, on your house there. Um, but um, yeah, that's game changing all the time. It's like it's like cell phones, right? Like you know, there's a new thing for that every year. So that's something that's a little bit of a, a thing, you know, that you're thinking about. Like everyone went to the hydronic heating, like the in-floor yeah. heating, which is kind of irrelevant now with the step code, right? Because you don't, it's not turning on in these houses because they're so efficient now. So there's, and that's all, it's so many different things are happening in the, in the industry with the new construction. That, that's an exciting place. But, um, yeah, so it's all interesting stuff, yeah. 
I don't know where I was going. I just rambled. That's okay. Where they go from? <clears throat> but based on that story, I have a compliment for you. The I love companies that are built off of like we're going to do really good shit, whether that costs us a little more than and our profit suffers slightly because of it. That's fine. But long term, this is going to be the right. Long term, yeah. this is going to benefit us better, and that's the way that I kind of think. And with that four or five second street. I remember they did an inspection and the inspector I'd say was mediocre. <laughs> Who was it? But he brought, uh, we're not going to say that. Mm. <laughs> he brought back like a few things that again, like I didn't see the ins and outs of the Renault. So I didn't, I don't know. And he's like, Hey, the dimple wrap doesn't go all the way around the foundation. You guys said it did. And I'm like, okay, like where? And so he gave me this specific example and I called you. And he said, for some reason, there was a moisture meter that was a reading that was higher in that location than another location. So he's like, it's because they didn't do the dimple wrap. You got to dig it out. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know what that means. So I called Jake. I'm like, this is what he said. I don't understand. Just tell me what the problem is. <clears throat> he's like, no, it's because there was an old driveway that was going down there. There's a concrete wall come, or mm-hmm. thing coming out of the foundation. And so we had to roll the dimple wrap around it. Like, Otherwise, we're going to have to cut out the concrete. I remember that. It doesn't make any sense. So we just dimple wrapped around it. Okay, that makes sense. And then there's another corner, remember, that had a high moisture reading and there was like a little bit of a stain on the baseboard or something like that. And I said, I don't know what's happening, but apparently this reading is higher. Looks like there's some water coming in. And his initial reaction was, don't worry about it all. I'll come over and I'll figure out what's going on and I'll fix it. Like, don't worry about, there's no cost involved in that. We'll figure it out. And there ended up not even being a problem, but just that that was the initial reaction is really cool. And I love that because that's our reaction all the time with like clients, Mm -hmm. like moving into a house being like, Hey, it's not clean. And we're like, no problem. There's going to be a cleaner there in 20 minutes, you know, or whatever. But I just, I love that that was the initial reaction rather than, that a was lot our, of people that in was those situations sales just, gimmick. Well, not gimmick because it's not a gimmick at all. But that was what we did when we were small. Like we, Jameson and I did this in Vancouver and all. We've been working on. But when we came to New Ass, we knew this is where we live. You know, we want to bring to the community too. We don't want to just be making money. We want to do good work. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids are going to walk past it, right? So we would always just say to people, you pay like, you know, smaller scale jobs, <laughs> not talking what we're doing now necessarily, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, pay us when you're happy. That was what we'd always say to people, you know, they'd be like, Oh, when we, when do we pay you? Can we start paying you? You know, for, we're, we're talking fences, Danny, not that long ago. <laughs> like, like we did that. We were doing kind of the renovation game in, uh, Vancouver, right. On a, fairly decent level we're doing about three or four bigger renovations a year sort of thing and then when we went to uh came to new s jameson and i started hayek uh we uh we we just started from nothing right why not just two guys we that's what it was it was townsend place was our first job yeah and we built the front porch together and we're like here we go and we just said let's do it and that was it and uh we tell people pay us when you're happy so maybe like, well, that's it. So, and then, yeah, so that being said, definitely uh, we don't leave now until, until they're happy, right? So 
even if it sucks for us a lot. And there's a lot of biting of the tongue, a lot of, uh, yeah. So it's encouraging each other to go and just get it done for them with a smile. <laughs> and you go along, it's worth it. It's worth its weight in gold all day long. And there's not, not that many of them. There's, there's it's just the odd one, right? That you, they're just not pleasable and it's unfortunate and you just do your best for them and that's all you can do, move along. It's, um, I think it's a really good lesson to learn early in your career if you're yeah. an entrepreneur. Is yeah, you're gonna be It doesn't matter up. what you think, it only matters what the client thinks, right? Because mm-hmm. if the client is unhappy, even though you did a phenomenal job and you did exactly what they wanted and they're unhappy, they're still going to tell their friends that they're unhappy. Yeah. I learned that we used to do this handyman work, right? <laughs> Going back to that. And uh, Michael, Michael Wojtowicz is his name. I can say his last name. He's an awesome guy. <laughs> he's, 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 or can you not? You got to bleep it? No, anyway. <laughs> He did the handyman. He was like a super religious guy. He was very, he packed the lunch to work. He was super awesome. Such a nice guy. And uh, yeah, it was kind of super awkward though. You take it to Tim Hortons and like bring his own lunch in and sit down with you. It was whatever. (laughs) Anyhow, but he used to say to us, uh, you can do a really, really, really awesome job. And uh, if you leave a mess, behind or, or, or you're gonna, they're going to look at the mess, right? So it's kind of the same thing. You know, if you leave a mess, that's what they'll notice, right? So, you know, you can, you can do an all right job, but if, if you look good doing it, then that's a lot of it too, right? So if you do both, then, then you got it figured out a bit. So you know, Like exact same message we talk about in our business all the time with our team is like mm-hmm. the last, um, like finish the transaction and does that mean that the transaction's done when the contract is done, when the like when you get keys or what? So for us, it's like contract is one thing. They're pumped. They got a house, whatever it is for a buyer. Mm-hmm. Possession day is another thing. Mm-hmm. They're moving in. If it's messy, we need to figure out how to make it clean. We need that possession day to be as good as possible. Mm-hmm. But then the lasting impression is like that two week or six week or whatever follow, follow up. up. Them. Yeah. How are you loving the neighborhood? Have you? you know, moved in, any questions mm. you have about the home, figured out the alarm system, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And those like extra little follow-ups down the road after the actual moving date. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, they're so big and they, mm-hmm. they just appreciate them so much. And it, if one little thing went wrong, like let's say the house wasn't as clean as they wanted it to be. Yeah. Those little part. follow-ups of like asking about it mm-hmm. versus them telling you about it. For sure. Are huge. Oh yeah, just the, the, you're you're thinking of them, so they're they people like it when you think of them, right? So uh, even uh, especially like in our business, it's one of the things doing, that pains me is when you can't get to people sometimes, right? Yeah. Like you know you can't please everybody, right? All yeah. the time, so it's difficult. In our businesses, what they're doing is is like such a big financial investment, right? They're either buying their biggest asset that they've yeah. ever bought before in their entire life. Or they're adding $300,000 worth of value to the biggest asset that they've ever bought in their entire life. Yeah, no, yeah. And you have to kind of bring yourself and put yourself in their their shoes all the time, Mm. you know, because to you, it's a Tuesday. 
to them, it's like a big deal, right? And uh, we've been thinking about so this. So it should years. be a big we deal to you. Saved you up know, enough like, money to do this. You totally. know, I, I, this one on Manitoba that we just finished up is thirty-five years in the making for for the fellow that just finished those two old ones. Yeah. So I mean, he's been on those for like thirty-five years. That's his dream. So you know, it was pretty cool for him to finish that finally, right? So, I mean, um, yeah, you got to put yourself in their shoes sometimes, right? When they're staring at you and they're wanting to see it done right, you're like, yeah, well, it's because it's their house, right? Mm -hmm. They care. So you got to understand that sometimes, right? But um, yeah, so so showing that you care definitely uh, is a big game changer if you're self-employed in anything you do, I guess, right? Would you say? Across the board? And reiterating that. As long as... Going into any situation with thought process of like, this is a paycheck for me is just such a losing attitude versus like the relationship is what is going to help our business long-term. Definitely. So whatever it takes for the relationship, whether that is paying 300 bucks for a cleaner, whether that is going back to a job two weeks after you finished because they didn't like something about it, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But that relationship long-term is huge well especially for you guys right you you guys are definitely well i mean i think our businesses are probably pretty similar right i think they're very similar yeah like yeah. for returning customers and stuff right you get your and word of mouth referral word right? of mouth is huge right yeah. you get people to get for their families you, involved that, that's oh like 100 of your business yeah pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. It's past clients and, and referrals from past Family clients. members, yeah. what, cousins, what's uncles. What's part of your, what, what, is your, what is your position? Like, what do you do generally? You do, as a, I do mostly kitchens and bathrooms, but we do all types of things. I'm a project manager. So you're a project manager. Yeah. So what's your day-to-day look like on a regular day? A lot, so, of, lot of dealing with people. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, I think that's the hardest part for sure, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I can lay tile or whatever. It's the same thing, but... Do you like the tile? Do you like this design? Do you like the way this turns out? That's the hardest part for sure. Yeah. So the like the people are dictating their job. They they got to realize that. Like, I am a pretty efficient person if you give me the right tools and the right information, <laughs> right? But I can't guess anything, right? So, um, yeah. So when you make changes, it's expensive. When communication breaks down, it's expensive. Um, but if you have a client that knows what they want yeah. and they're prepared to to get it there for you and make things happen and do it, then you can get a lot done quickly. It's pretty amazing when you I get think... people working together. Or if they let you do it with some good drawings, that works well, really well too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the, the toughest ones I'd say would be the ones that get in and want to try and save money yes. doing your job. And you're like, that's not going to save you money. Mm-hmm. You're just going to slow me down from doing my job. Um, would you say so? Yeah. Yeah. I found this part. Can you make it fit with that part? Or if we do, or say, if I do this, like, no, well, that's my job. Like just Because stay. you have a process, right? You, you've been doing yeah. this thing for so or long. they have their yeah. nutrition or whatever, Yeah. Right? yeah. So. I've been there many times. Mm-hmm. I think when you get really good as a business owner, you the egos are aside. And more of my goal going into appointments is I want to 
assist with this person making the decision that is correct for them. Yeah. And a lot of, so many people, assuming based on what you just said in your world too, they don't know what the decisions are that they want to make. They don't know the finishes that they want to pick. They just know that they need to update this kitchen. They need to do that. They need, they want to do this, right? Uh, yeah. But they have no vision. And it's the same in like selling real estate is they know they want to sell. They have no idea what it's worth. They don't know the direction that they want to go. They don't know how long they want to be on market. They don't know what that experience is supposed to look like. But if you paint the picture really early, mm-hmm. the on, it comes back to the honesty of like, hey, you want eight fifty. The last sale was seven ninety nine. If we list at eight fifty, that's totally fine. Just be prepared that it might not work out. Yeah. Versus at the beginning of your career, for me. Someone's like, 850. I'm like, done, let's do it. I'll give it a whirl. You know, like, let's try it out. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of million dollar listing. Have you, you watched that show? 100%. Like, yeah, that's a pretty good show. Dude, some of those guys I respect so much. Yeah. Like, they're really good at what they do. And mm-hmm. they're also kind of actors, but they're also. But it's kind of like what it is, others. isn't it? A little bit? Kind of? A little bit? I don't know. It seems like you got to have a bit of a character going when you're doing the real estate it's an interesting conversation to be honest it's um i never feel like i'm putting on a show but i i i try to describe it as like i'm tuning into different aspects of my character and my personality yeah based on what that individual is looking for okay so like some people just want numbers and they want you to tell them what to do which is fine Mm -hmm. other people want you to be their best friend yeah and so I feel like part of being... Well, what do you like, though? I like helping people. Yeah. I think it's so much fun to, like, show someone an offer and then be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Right? Making people happy. I like, yeah. I like the, I like the whole process, right? Yeah. And I like educating people through the process, and I like them finishing the process and be like, man, that was a big success. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So to me, I feel like, I think we were talking about this maybe earlier and I didn't mention this, but like hospitality for me was a huge eye-opening experience that I bartended for five years. And you just have to figure out how to communicate with so many different varieties of human beings, Mm -hmm. construction workers and like, ladies on their Friday night out and like 19 year olds who are just out there to get shit faced. And like this guy that just got divorced and he's pissed off as shit and he wants to drink 16 beers. Like mm-hmm. it's just a, it's an array of humans. Oh man. Yeah. That like, I, I keep going back to this job with Remax and how many people we got to meet mm-hmm. throughout that um, was definitely a huge help and and what we do now when we walk into meeting somebody um because you go into a new person's house every single day see how they lived how they it was crazy you know you go to yale town to the penthouse mm-hmm. and the lady would be like i'm out the door and she'd toss you your keys with the fob on it and say leave them on the thing there'd be like a ferrari and a porsche and a, on there and you'd be like okay and you'd hang out in this seven million dollar apartment and then the next day you would be in this tiny little apartment in Richmond and it's the grossest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and there's a guy like thinking you're going to steal his like 
Pokemon cards in the corner and you're freaking out that he's going to stab you. Like, it's like, so you had to deal with so many different types of people that, um, it was, it, it, that's, that was definitely what I took from, from that job. And then, you know, obviously the work was cool too, but, um, the learning from the pe- learning people like that was interesting. One of the helpful. thoughts in my head for any meeting is I know all the information, mm-hmm. but my goal of this meeting is to present it in a way that they understand. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's well, you, like, you, at least you get to know all the information going in. So yeah, like we're going sure. in and we don't know, we don't know anything. They go, we want a kitchen done. So we got to try and but juggle you know the, the in, But okay. I'm coming from, at it from a perspective. Yeah. I know what your home's worth. Yeah. I know the right way to market it to get you know the what you're best talking pro- about product. when you're talking about real estate. I'm confident in terms of how we totally how we market, yeah. how we sell the whole process. I'm confident yeah. in that. I don't know your situation necessarily as a seller. I don't know what you're trying to Shit. achieve, and you learn. Yeah, I'm working and that's kind of like what you're trying to get out of that first meeting. But mm-hmm. you know all the answers. Well, Someone says I want this kitchen. You know that it's going to cost eighty thousand dollars or what? You know whatever. Yeah, that's the thing, though. That's, yeah. that's the thing. You do an estimate and the walls are still up. <sighs> no, but in, you know they show you a picture of a <laughs> of a kitchen and they want that, and you go, "Well, what kind of wood is that? What kind of tap is that?" What? But you know, they can, yeah, you mean like, in that first meeting, you can say, "I don't know what kind of wood that is, but if you want to use this type of wood, it's going to be X amount." Per cabinet. Yeah. If you want yeah, this type I mean, of wood, it's going to be three can, times that. We can definitely, right? yes, for sure. So, I mean, the best, the, the ideal situation where if you could have complete trust, right, and they could tell you exactly how much money they wanted to spend and you were an honest person as well, um, you could give them the optimal products, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just coming to that mutual point where you think you're at in, you know, together that you're going to get both of, you know, you know, you you both feel comfortable at that point that you're going to end up at the product and the price point. Right. Does that make sense or no? It's no, it's a really interesting conversation for a lot of like entrepreneurs and people running their businesses. Like when is the conversation of cost come up? Is it at the yeah, beginning? It's is the it, toughest part. Is it just it's like, like hey, when do you say, okay, how much money do you want to spend? Man? Yeah. 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 So how do you break into that? Like I, it's tough. Sometimes you're feeling kind of, you know, good about yourself that day. You might be like, let's just get to the chase. Right. I feel like, you know, it's a feeling thing a lot of the time. Do you mm-hmm. find, I don't know. It's different for you. I guess you have to tell them at a point, like some. Usually it's pretty numbers. early for us. We yeah. just say in terms of our industry, I'd say, if there was a line right down the middle, we are slightly above that line in terms of what yeah. we charge for commission yeah. compared to all our competitors. There's lots of people that charge more. Yeah. And there are definitely discounters that charge much less. Yeah. But we're happy to just share that. Be like, this is what we charge. We offer a premium service. If you're interested in a premium service, that's great. If you're not, we're not the right fit for you. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's that's what you should do. We shouldn't sacrifice what you what you do and what you provide, and you and that's it. If you're doing a better job than most people, you should get paid a little bit more, and it should reflect that when they're looking for somebody, right? Like I look at it, if I'm like ten dollars more an hour, like that's not that much, but say you were, you'd be like, well, they must be good, right? And then you got to prove it, mm-hmm. right, every time. 
sort of thing. So that keeps you chal- that keeps you motivated to 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 do it, right? It's no? a different human that you're then attracting to work with, right? Like a lot of the times in my life, I consider I'm willing to pay for quality, yeah. whatever that is. If that's someone coming to clean my house for like once every two weeks, if that is someone fixing my car, if it's going to be done properly, I'm willing to pay way more than if I'm really confused about what just happened and I need to go back there in two weeks. Well, if you start at the cheapest guy and then you grind them, you're going to, you're obviously going to get a pretty shit job, Product, right? Like, totally. Like we started with the crappiest guy and then you give him our time about it. Like, like, come on. So, I mean, I, and we, in our company too, I'll be like, we overpaid our guys like at the beginning, you know, started them off at higher because we, they, most of the guys that work for us are carpenters, right? Um, like young, mm-hmm. like uh, apprentice par- carpenters. But we ask so much more than just a carpenter out of these guys that we had to, you know, kind of step up to the plate and pay them a bit more money than just a guy that goes and frames for a, a framing guy every day. And uh, so it was a waiting game with those guys too, right? And um, some of them, it's really paid off and and, uh, you know, you obviously have to learn that you're going to lose guys and guys are going to come and go, but hopefully you still keep that core going. And it's like, I always look at it like a hockey team almost, right? Then it's like building like a, a hockey team. You got, you know, <laughs> it's kind of true. It's fun kind of, right? You're like, oh, you know, if you, cause you lose like a big guy, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, I got to fill the spot. What's going to happen here? Maybe I got to slide in there for a bit and then work this guy up, train him. And then, you know, so it's a lot of juggling. It's a big juggling match out there. It's a right? constant struggle in small businesses. Like yeah. how many employees do you have? Right now? Or let's say you and Jameson included, how many are on your team? Well, we have a new guy starting next week that's not going to swing a hammer. This is first. And um, so there's, right now I think we've got s- six guys. Okay. So you're we very just lost to two or three and and we're okay with it. Yeah, because we're we're definitely kind of leaning towards, you know, quality. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we need some time right now just to kind of work on that and just make sure that this company's run really well and and smooth things out and just make sure that it's you know going to sit and 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 do well for for a little while and do and do good things for a long time. That's what our plan is with Hayak, right? So. Yeah. So right now, I think as a business owner, you have to look long term. Your yeah. your ideas and your decisions on a day to day basis have to be based on what is going to be the best for the long term vision of this company. Yeah. And if it's not, if it is what's going to be best for the paycheck over the next six months, it's yeah. going to lose. It's not oh, going to do sure. well, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it's you're not going to treat your employees well. Like like you said at the beginning of the company. You paid guys more than you probably should. Well, have. No, I wouldn't even say that. No, Whatever but, it is, right? you know, but, but I mean, I, but they, then, they all if, earned their money. But and let's say, it, let's say a carpenter deserves twenty-five bucks an hour. You paid them twenty-eight, thirty. Sure. I'm, I'm just making up numbers. Yeah, you get to demand a little bit more out of that guy. Yeah, sure. Right? Hey, yeah. you can go work for XYZ company. Yeah, and make twenty-five bucks. I'm going to pay you five dollars more an hour, but I, de- I'm, I'm going to look over your shoulder and make sure everything is really, really quality because that's what we're telling our customers. And that's why you get paid $5 more an hour. Yeah. 
that that and you're not just gonna we also have to teach them to do more than just carpentry right so we're doing you know we want them to learn to be builders i mean you know and and starting off uh you know as a carpenter is a good good that's most of them are are carpenters the builders who started off as a carpenter generally speaking or uh or you usually skip that and go right into development, right? But um, I think being a builder is different than being a carpenter because it's uh, it's a it's a position. You're you're directing the people. It's it's yeah. completely different than just nailing things into a wall. It's management. It's it's totally different than uh, than carpentry. Carpentry is yelling and screaming and quick <laughs> and fast and dirty, right? And it's fun and it's you know, beers at lunchtime and it's cool. Right. But you can only do that for so long and, uh, it'll, it'll catch up to you. Right. And, um, the idea is to do that and make an, you know, you see who you're working for and they always, but you know, it's always the same. It's just, you get to the next level and you want to do the next big thing and move along up and you're just going to always struggle if you're in an entrepreneurial type guy you're always going to want to struggle it's almost like that's what you like it's, a, it's like a sick, sickness isn't it denny you just want to keep getting better and yeah then, that's and then it. when you it's get to the next hard thing on yourself you're, like, or you're just i yeah. can keep going or when you yeah, like we were saying earlier it's like when you think you you know you're you're doing well like you're like hey i think i'm doing pretty good right now you know and i'm figuring some things out you know a couple of jobs are coming together that closed yeah. out i didn't really have no problem and then, you know, in 10 years from now, you'll be like, well, you thought you knew everything then, you idiot. You didn't know anything, right? <laughs> and that's the truth, right? Yeah. And then once you realize that, then that fire will just get bigger and bigger and bigger and you can't get it. I don't know. Then it's done. That's my wife. She's a driver and absolutely insane. But I think it is like little plateaus where you're like climbing this mountain. Yeah. And then you like get some success and then you plateau for an extent, a, a period of time. And then you figure something else out, whether it's like, hey, I started this business with my buddy Jameson. We're now doing a way more business than we thought we were going to do. We need to bring on an employee. Mm-hmm. And then over that next few months, you're like, fuck, I'm a manager now? What the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah. You were. I need to hats, tell right? people what to do. Definitely. I got to learn how to be a manager and a leader. Oh, shit. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do that, yeah. that's a whole like screwing up your whole life and and not not to mention you might have stuff in your other life going on too right not your work life so you it can get crazy right like it's like i always say i get up i get my kids ready for school and then i go get the kids ready for work right because it's like (laughs) it's the same thing it's nuts right like it's uh, um but i love it and it's it's great but yeah i mean yeah, you never lose it, but uh, plateaus. But right now, I'd say for me, I got some goals in life where I just want to enjoy it a bit more, right? So, um, yeah, you got to do that too, right? Not do you consciously time. take time yearly, monthly, quarterly, whatever to? I haven't focus. So on that's that? what I'm going to do. So, like, I mean, we. It's been with COVID, right? It's been kind of crappy not being able to go anywhere. We'd like to usually. Usually the summers are the busiest time of the year, right? Yeah. So it's hustling in the summer, um, you know, and uh, every winter I usually try and get somewhere warm, right? But um, yeah, it's been it's hard to been find time to go away. 
this last couple of years. And uh, a lot of the times I go down to the States. You can't get down there right now, right? So that's I'm going in November. Flying. Yeah. Yeah. You can fly. You have to fly. You just can't drive. Brady went last week. He went are you to going to are you going to watch a game down there? I'm going to say it on record. I will oh. be at one Seahawks game this year. <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to say it on record? Why? No, I'm just because we're going to have to Because you have to fly down, right? Oh, you're going to go. You're it costs go. a little bit more money cuz uh a return flight to Seattle right now is like 250. Well, you'll be able to drive versus, down there by then, no? I don't I I just don't know. Like it seems like it just keeps getting extended, so I my so hopes are you'll plan, plan to go down there. I know people that I'll fly to go there. down and I know people that just did it. Yeah. yeah. It's not a big deal. You just got to do the tests. It'll cost you an extra few hundred bucks in tests plus whatever the plane ticket is. Well, it's just money, right? It's dual. Pay them in crypto. Hey. See if you can pay them in crypto. I like that. This is just crypto. What is that? I don't even know. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I was just getting excited that people were starting to pay with cash again. And then we come in and we're starting to talk about cryptocurrency <laughs> first thing. Honest to God, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of cool having cash back. You know why they're paying cash? Why? Because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so. I don't have Three much months cash, ago, yeah. 100 bucks was worth 100 bucks. Yeah. Today, what's 100 bucks worth? 73. Is that it? Dude, we are so fucked. No, I don't We're so know. fucked. Mr. Trudeau. Oh, yeah. In all his wisdom, I, has given out about $180 billion trillion in the last 12 months, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Guess who has to pay that back? Guess what a lot more money in your economy does? Makes goods go up. Mm-hmm. Economics 101, that is called inflation. August 2021 saw the highest inflation rate that Canada's ever seen, or that has Canada seen in like a decade or something like that. Inflation rate was 4.2 or 4.3% in August. So what what did you see go up in price that, the most? So that means like economists, the Canadian economists are averaging out the, there's like a parcel of goods that they take the cost of those goods versus what they were mm-hmm. a year ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is what they classify yeah. inflation as. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There was like a bunch of stats saying like milk has gone up four yeah. percent and vegetables have gone People up. People haven't noticed though because they just been clicking it on their phone. And, <laughs> I mean, and, like, you know, right? They did seriously. Like for the, the average you know, consumer, you're not going to know. Average lifestyle has like shifted so much in the last yeah. few years that there's no like medium for you to compare where you're spending your money. So you've been everything was changed, and then. All the prices changed too, right? Mm-hmm. And no one probably figured that out yet. So maybe for an, it's uh, for be a normal weird consumer for a that like isn't paycheck to paycheck, that is running a business and doing well, whatever. If you go to the store and buy a fucking crown of broccoli for a dollar twenty nine, even look in at three it. months from now that's a dollar forty nine. You just buy the broccoli, right? I don't even know. But how much twenty cents costs. on a dollar twenty nine is what? 15%? How much does broccoli cost? Like, I'm just making up. No, but like really though, do you even look? I don't even look. No, I just go I to just the grab it. And I, I just mean, put it broccoli. In the yeah, it's just broccoli, it. right? Yeah. It's a very it's not, privileged it's not, opinion yeah. and thought process to have, which yeah. I'm no. very fortunate for. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people are like, though. Exactly. Yeah. 
But it's interesting to understand that cash is not worth as much as, as it was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet yeah. It's a very interesting position. And as like a business owner... Don't say that because I'm doing some work at my house and I'm giving everybody some cash for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a permit at it. It's fine. Don't worry. But then, I don't know, my thought goes to like, oh shit, I have too much cash. What do I do with it? Yeah. Buy, buy real estate. Buy more real estate. Buy crypto. Crypto. Like invest more. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, I, I don't feel know. like it, we're it, at the stage. I don't really have a, I, I, I'm kind of at the stage where I'd, money is too, it's kind of transparent to me. I don't really worry about it as much as I have. should. No, but like, you can always make more. You can always borrow it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like you got a long way to go before you're not eating, right? You know, that's the reality of it. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard to make it. So when you have it, you should, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Money isn't that big of a deal to me, I guess, anymore. It's, um, I think it's something you get comfortable and complacent's the wrong word for what I'm trying to express here, but yeah. you just get like accustomed to this is my new reality, right? Like, let's say your last 12 months have been X, you're now accustomed to X. And so you're expecting and you're like living your life based on you earning whatever oh, yeah. that X Definitely. is, right? Versus like, before I got into real estate, I was working at a bank making Thirteen dollars and forty six cents an hour, yeah. and you were stoked, like, and you could go to a movie. No, I was that, not right? stoked. Uh-huh. <laughs> At the end of the month, I had less money in my bank account than I did the month before. Yeah, yeah. So that was not stoked. No, but <laughs> that was the opposite yeah, of stoked. You, you know what I mean? But you're. I was, pri- like, oh, I was thinking more of my privileges. Else. Like you know, you get used to making, you know, living a lifestyle, and then if you leveled down. Yeah, you might be complaining, right? So when I say that, I mean, what what I mean by money is not care, like I just don't find it as I don't restrict it. My, like I use it to buy things that I want, and that's about it. Like if I, I and if you make a ton of it, that's great. You can buy more things that you want, right? But um, you know, being happy isn't about making money to me. I think. Um, Real estate, if it's a making more money is going to be the path to more happiness, then that's usually freedom, which is happiness is mm. the goal, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah money is important, definitely. Making, making it gives you freedom, which is the ultimate goal, right? So the idea is to work for yourself entirely, right? And that's the thing. And that's where meditation, that's the same, the, kind of the same thing. This is where it's trippy because it's like... Um, when there's no, when you're not, when you're working for yourself entirely, Denny, if you think about it like that, right? How do you do that? When you don't work for anybody. It's an interesting even thought process to have because when you run a business, I almost think of it as you're working for your employees. Yes. Right? Like yeah. there's or eight people on client. Both. Yeah, both. Yeah. So for uh, in the construction industry, you know, buying, developing your own house or your own building would be kind of like the closest you could get to being ultimately working for yourself. If you, I guess, X, have 
money to buy and pay and do all those things. You don't have to borrow from the bank because then you're kind of working for the bank a bit there, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just like ultimate freedom is what I'm kind of like, that's the, the goal, right? So I don't know. I'm just, so if you have all the money, the land, I guess, or whatever you're trying to build, there's you already have the thing you're trying to sell, I guess. I don't know. That's that's the kind of idea. No? Work for I, yourself. I mean, ultimate literally the only thing I'm chasing is freedom. And my own, my biggest problem is I don't yet have a full definition of what that means. Yeah. No, exactly. And I feel like in the last two years, maybe I've been closer to the idea in my head. But then as you get closer to that idea, the idea changes. Of course, because like right now you really love like running around selling real estate, right? But you're not going to want to do that forever, right? And I understand that, but yeah. like at a, at the same time, it, it's also but you're always like, going to want to do something. I want to explore the world. I yeah. want to like tr- be able to travel. I want to be able to wake up on a Monday morning and be like, I'm exhausted. I need to get out of here and just leave. Yeah, for thirty days. Like to me, in my head, that's the idea of freedom. Yeah. Yeah, that's And I it. don't know if I'm there yet because I don't necessarily want to be there yet. No, ne- me neither. No, mm-hmm. but eventually, like that's retirement. Like just we don't really have I to. I don't want to retire. The idea of retirement scares the fuck out of me. No, but the uh, retirement doesn't necessarily have to mean like stop sure. working, right? Like that's just like, that is retirement. Like that's the freedom. Re- yeah. Then I mean, you're like, okay, what do I want to work on now, right? Like yeah. now I can build my like man i watched that million dollar listing i'm seeing these things i'm like fuck i want to build one of those but how can i do that well xxxxx this 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 and that to do that okay that's attainable but do i want to do that that much right right so now you're stuck in this like spot where you're like okay where is the path right what's what's worth it what's not what like you know not necessarily what's worth everything's worth trying but um, if you've got goals that are a little bit further out, um, they're harder to kind of aim, die dead for and hit straight on right away. You're going to take some time, right? But, you know, if you put your mind to thinking in that direction, it'll get there. Like, it takes time. It's pretty crazy if you reflect on what you've done over time in your career and the goals you set and you go back in time when you set them, you know, halfway point, you'd be like, oh, wow, I did that. You know, that goal that I set five years ago, you know, 10 years later, you, you'll do it, right? I think most things are attainable. There's just a different level of sacrifice to get to those different things. So like, if you're talking about million dollar listing new uh, LA. No, talk about, new say, building. say you, Danny. Yeah. So you get, you, you got into real estate. You must have like a three-year goal, five-year goal a little bit in your head. Maybe I just had even this random it? goal of making $100,000 a year. Okay. So, and did you do it your first year? <laughs> I did it in my first 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You did it, right? But so then, then you made like, a new one. Oh, shit. That wasn't a very good goal. I got to make, okay. you know, yeah, I got to okay. do something different. So then, uh, then you probably, you guys were thinking we want to do this much this year. And then it was this much this year, right? Mm-hmm. So every year, do you reflect and go, we did it? No, you should right? I do it to myself. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to go, 
Because I said, uh, we started Hayek, I, I was like, we kind of want to take over New West and be like a good institution where people trust our, our thing and they just call us, right? We want to kind of have a pretty good name in the city and a stronghold within three years. And, you know, you can have some pretty tough times and, and, and things aren't good, but then you go back and you go, but you know what? Remember, you did what you were, you came to do, you know, it's just sucky right now. Like, you got to reflect a bit to get you through the bad times in this game, right? Make sure that you, you know, that you're doing a good job, you know, and you, you, you're good at doing that, I think. Are you not, Danny? I'm getting better. You should, yeah. I, uh, I think. Something I work on, for sure. My natural thought process is to push success away because I know I can continue to grow. Yeah. It was the same in sports. Like I, in sports, whether you won a game or played well or whatever, my thought after a game would always be like, I missed that shot that I should have made. Yeah. And then literally this was me as a grade 11, 12 kid. I would go home and be outside and practice that exact shot that I thought I should have made. Yeah. But I missed. That's uh, hard work ethic. Yeah. That, I don't know if I have, if I would have done that. But I know exactly how you feel. Like I, I definitely. If have you ever? What's that? I, I was listening to a book. It's like the, uh, surrounded by idiots. Have you heard of that one? Oh, you should. Kind of dictates. It helps you with people. Uh, kind of color coordinates them <laughs> into four categories. <laughs> kind of interesting. And you figure out which one you're in pretty quick. But anyhow. Um, it's pretty cool because, uh, yeah, like reds, or that's what they call them, people that are entrepreneurial type people. Um, yeah, they're like, if it can be done better, then it wasn't done better, good enough, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how I am. I'm like, you did great. But now that I'm looking at it, that's exactly how I said it. But if it, I wish you had done it like this, though, you know, I'm always... And it can be hard on, on yourself and on, you know, the people. So you got to calm yourself down in that position, not be too uh, pushy about your, your ways, right? Um, it's interesting because I think about it a different way. I think about it that I'm very lucky that my brain works the way that it works. Yeah. Because no, it's con consistently pushing me to continue to improve, mm -hmm. which... I don't know if I can. But you've, how long have you been doing it for, though? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, right? Like yeah. whether I'm year three or year twenty-three, it doesn't matter. Well, I know, but it catches up to you. Your brain will start to hurt, though, after a while, Danny. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find that out. <laughs> just just <laughs> find give, out it some hard way. give it some yeah. kids. Give it some other. Give it some trials and tribulations, and oh, it gets yeah. So you no, know, but then that that the brain work is having a busy brain is a definite great thing to have right and it, it's it, it's the engine that keeps everything going and it's your computer right and uh but it can be your worst enemy too right so it's about keeping them keeping on keeping on po on point not not getting distracted by all these other things um that you want to do and what you should be doing is is important for me definitely that's one thing that i'm learning about in the game definitely it's funny. I'm learning the more and more I like have conversations with different people is it's pretty much the same. <laughs> a lot of things are the same, but the way 
the thought processes are the same, but yeah. the way that they interpret those thought processes yeah. are extremely different. Yeah. So like the way that my brain interprets that thought process of leaving, uh, like, let's be super specific with my, my industry house for sale gets seven offers. I get the offer. I'll use one in new West. get one of the offers up $87,000. So that seller makes an extra $87,000 because of the communication I had with all these realtors. I leave that um, that uh, meeting with the seller after their house is sold, high fives. They're so pumped, like life changing money for people. A mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. is a year salary, two year salary, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving and I'm thinking about every single conversation that I had with those agents on the way out of that meeting back home, thinking, how could I have worded something slightly different to get a slightly different result? And to me, in my head, I think you should be like happy, right? Just, yeah, uh, you're killing yourself. I am here. happy. Yeah. I'm happy with the result. I'm happy with the outcome. I'm happy with how well that entire process went for these people. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking the next John Smith that I have, how does that go better. slightly better? Yeah, no, I agree with and you. And in my head, I'm spinning it to myself, maybe because I've trained myself to think this way. I'm spinning it myself as like an extreme optimistic process. Yes. No, I understand. I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm thinking, oh shit. I said this to Sally. Yeah. I could have worded it this way that maybe would have represented that information to her client slightly different. And they would have said, you know what? Done. Let's do it. Versus like we're capped out. No, I agree with you. Hey, we, we walk out of meetings with people and we go, Hey, I think that was it. That's this, that's how you do it from now on, right? Like you just go in and you say it like that and you just give them the deal like this. And we're like, yeah. And then you go to the next one. It's like right in your face. (laughs) No, it didn't work. So, I mean, so I mean, yeah, that uh, all, but then you're, there is always that situation for me. It's optimizing timelines. I'm more like that. I'm like, how can I get this job done a little bit faster? How can I get, like it's pretty, I can be a challenge to myself. Like I make it hard for myself. Sometimes I'm like, I'll schedule people back to back and just try and push, push, push for, and it's, you shouldn't always do that. Um, but if in some situations you have to, um, we have some work in commercial spaces now where you have like tight timelines and it's like, you got to be in on four o'clock and you got to be out. So you pretty much got to make sure that people are going to be there and get out of there by the morning and they can do their classes and stuff like that or or whatever it is. So um, I really like to try and organize like logistics and and get, and so that's where my brain will go to that space. It's like, Mm -hmm. how can I have improved, you know, on that? I should have put both that lumber order together next job. I'll do that, right? Or before I, like, I see what someone did over there. I'm like, oh, next job, that's going to happen on my job, right? Like, so I'm always looking to optimize my, um, you know, effect, like my the effective, or, you know, just optimize our work and just being more effective on the job. Like you right? have a lot more scheduling. Yeah. Whereas in my world, it's more like communication timeline. Yeah. So it's definitely a different type workspace. So yeah, it's scheduling. So I'm always trying to keep things as streamlined as possible because you're just, there's a lot of fires to put out. 
So you want to make sure you have some time set aside every day for that. And so it's always, every day changes, right? So the day-to-days are tough when, you know, um, they grow as a business and then so does the, the fires you got to put out too. So that's where, we're, you know, we are kind of now. So we're, we're working on that. We're getting, like the guy said, coming in. That's going to help us uh, with some of that end of it so that that can free Jameson and I to go out and um, put our hands on on what we should be, right? That's a, it's such a fun conversation to talk about and we should probably get gone soon because yeah. I know you've been here way too long. It's such a fun conversation to talk about. Like, wh- I had this meeting on uh, Wednesday this week. What's, what's today? Thursday? Wednesday? So yesterday, Tuesday. With a few people that run businesses and one of the conversations we had was like, what is not fun for you in your role currently? And people will talk about whatever it is. Like say like this lady's doing accounting work that she doesn't like doing because she's a creative and she's better off being in front of clients. Or like you're better at being a project manager, but you're also doing invoicing and bullshit behind the scenes. And then the question that is the follow-up is like, why are you doing that? And no one has the answer. And then it's like, you need to hire for that position. Mm-hmm. Hire someone to do that for you. Mm-hmm. What is it? 20 hours a week? What is it? Eight hours a week? What else can you take off your plate that that person could do? You know, whatever it is. But a lot of people starting businesses that are early on, I feel like think they have to do everything and they can't comprehend yet. And it takes experience and it takes a few years to figure this out that the more you can delegate, the better the business is going to be, the better that you're going to be mm-hmm. as whatever you're good at. So let's say I'm really good at, uh, let's say sales for me. I think I'm good at sales and coaching other people to be good at sales. Mm-hmm. If I'm also doing hiring, if I'm also doing HR, if I'm also doing accounting, you're taking away. I'm from wasting that. too much yeah, time absolutely. in the things that I'm not good at that can easily be offloaded to someone to bring onto your business. One hundred percent. And I'm de- I like, and for me, I'm out there more. I'm more of a salesperson, I guess. I didn't sound like it tonight because Carl and I went out front today before <laughs> we came in. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and my partner would be more definitely. He's very, very knowledgeable and and closes just as many deals. But um, I'm definitely more of a, a louder voice, right? And uh, so we definitely get both spectrums and it's what makes us great, right? And then making sure that when your company grows and you have these job titles that you hold, that you acquire, manager, bookkeeper, uh, delivery driver, uh, (laughs) whatever, counselor, (laughs) like seriously, it's everything. Probably bus driver for some of your employees, you got to pick them up. (laughs) You know, or bail them out or whatever, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, they they become full-time jobs for some of them, or at least part-time. And so then it just gets overwhelming. So delegation uh, is key and being able to do that and having, yeah. Any things you've learned about being in a partnership? Yeah, tons. It's an interesting uh, dynamic because I, I 
obviously thinking about it from my personal experience and like our dynamic is hilariously unstructured. Like it's, it's so funny. We rarely have conversations of like drawing a line down the middle, although there should be. We just automatically, we know that different personalities, we're very different. He's really good at these things and I'm good at these things. So we just are going to do those things versus like in one of our, in our, my meeting uh, yesterday, one guy runs an accounting firm and there's six partners. And he said, the lines are so blurry that no one really knows what they're doing. And like, one of my goals for the next 12 months is to have these like guidelines set clear in writing and yeah. everyone is signing this piece of paper that they understand that this is their role. Yeah. But yeah, I think, a- I think that's critical. And that's something that we're working on right now is defining our roles yeah. so that we, you know, both everybody in the company from top to bottom knows where they're going to be. Yeah. And it's going to start at the top and work its way down, obviously. And uh, yeah, so we're really excited about being our new roles this coming year, honestly. Uh, this last six months, we've just kind of been riding this COVID storm, seeing what's going on, and it's been good, been fine, everything's great. But next year, I think uh, we're going to have some different people and some cooler things, uh, more time for us to get out there and be more hands-on. And... and uh, free us, free us up a bit to do some other things and be fun. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, knowing what you're supposed to be doing every day and not trying to tell somebody else what they're supposed to be doing when they already know what they're supposed to be doing is something that I'm learning right now. And the more I learn it, the better, the more success we're having for sure. It's interesting because I'm at almost the same point where this year. It's hard to let go though, right? So on some of those things. Some things for sure, but over time you learn, man, I don't know why I cared, like why I was concerned so much about that small detail. But this year I would say I probably work the least amount of hours that I have in my career per week and our business is doing better, which Mm -hmm. means, so then I'm reflecting my head and saying, huh, we must've done something really right. We have some phenomenal people on our team, which is a big catalyst to that. Mm -hmm but we must've done something right that kind of got us to this place. And then also that's kind of freeing us up to what's the next thing? Like how, how does this continue to grow? How do we, how do we bring on the next awesome team member? Right. Right. Some freedom to think more, more laterally and do some more interesting things. Right. So yeah, that's the idea for, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Versus two years ago was, was 18 hours a day was was 100% consumed with yeah. What is the individual transaction and house sale that is going on today? 100% of my job was that. Yeah, exactly. Versus now, I'd say, well, the individual transactions for me are probably 50 to 60% of my time, which is cool. I mean, it was, you know, I started my career. My job title was to go and try to some mornings just stay quiet in the basement down at the River Rock Casino, you know, <laughs> and not talk to anybody. And now, you know, that's because <laughs> it was, and now you're here, right? So, I mean, everything changes, right? So um, the more you do, the more abilities you have to go down and move laterally and do lots of more fun things. So freeing yourself up is number one, right? So I don't know, cut that. 
<laughs> no, I like it. Good. I don't know. I should get out. We of should here. get out of here. Yeah, I don't know how that went. That was a lot of fun, man. I don't know. Pull the mic back to your face. <laughs> I have a lot of of um, compliments for Hayek, and yeah. I've like personally and really enjoyed working with you. And I know some of our clients have had really good experiences with Hayek. So maybe just share your social website whatever where people can find you if they uh, are thinking about just look it up uh, Hayak Contracting H-Y-A-C-K Contracting I think that's it